Well, good day, fellowship. It's great to be with you. Jesus is teaching us in Mark chapter 4. He gives us this statement, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And I think we have, well, most of us have ears this morning. Uh, And it's not an issue of can we hear, it's will we listen and will we respond to the voice of God? Do you ever realize as a follower of Jesus Christ, that's why you have ears, is to listen to God and to respond to him? What could it look like if you listened to, understood, and responded to who God is. And I think that's one of the great challenges of our time, is it's easy to hear a message, but it's much more difficult to respond to the Word of God when we're not here. We're going to be talking about that. And I think you're here because of that. I think there's so many other things to do on a weekend, and you chose to come listen to the Word of God or listen with someone who's important to you. So thanks for being here. I want to invite you to turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, where Jesus is teaching, and he's teaching a crowd of people that then he'll break down and go to a small group of people and explain what this parable is. And he's talking about four different types of soil, soil that the Word of God uh, interacts with, and he talks about the reception or the response of each of these soils. Last week, we looked at the path, and it was a hardened response. It rejected the truth of who Jesus is. This week, we're going to be taking a look at the rocky ground, the second group of soil that Jesus talks about here, and it ultimately represents a shallow faith. Next week, we'll look at the thorns or weeds, and they're competing with the Word of God. And we'll compare each one of these to the good soil. So let's take a look at what Jesus is teaching here, and let's read it. It's in in, Mark chapter 4, verse 3. Jesus says this, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said... He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then jump down to verse 13 where he explains this. And he does this in more of a private environment with people who are leaning in, wanting to know what does this really mean to us. And it says verse 13. And he said to him, to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? In other words, this one is pivotal. This is really about our souls and our relationship with God. What do we do with the truth about who Jesus is and what he's done for us? Verse 14, the sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word that is sown in them, and it proves unfruitful. 
But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Jesus is talking about uh, this soil and really what this soil is is uh, our souls and the reception of the word of God to our souls. And uh, it's interesting, just the environment he taught in. I visited this region many times, and it was on uh, the Sea of Galilee. And way in the distance, I don't know if you can see the mountains in the distance there, but right before the mountains is the blue. That's the Sea of Galilee. It's about nine miles wide by 18 miles long. And it's a freshwater, it's not really a sea, it's literally the Lake of Gennesaret is what it was called. And so this area, Jesus was in a boat and he was teaching, but if you think about it, the whole region around it was fields. So the disciples would get a picture, every step that they took, they would see a picture of this teaching of Jesus. I went for a hike in this area down on Mount Arbel, which are those cliffs in the background there, and walking down that path, we saw these types of soil. We saw the path where nothing was growing, and you look to the right and left of the path, and you saw rocks, lots of rocks, and you saw lots of weeds, thistles, thorns, kind of not really kind plants, but that's the ones that you saw. So whether walking to or leaving from the teaching of Jesus, these listeners heard and saw what he was talking about. And if you go for a hike in the Flint Hills, you can see that very same environment. But what was Jesus saying? Because there's some same things and there's some different things here. Uh, The different types of, of soil here mentioned, the rocks compared with the good soil, it's the same seed, right? And the seed of what Jesus is talking about is the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. The gospel is the truth that none of us can save ourselves. That if something's going to be done in forgiving us of our sins and restoring us back to God, God has to do it. And he did it in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Most religions are built around what are you doing to impress God? Or what have you done to get in? Biblical Christianity is not about anything we've done. It's all about what God has done for us in Christ. So the gospel is, is, the reason why it's good news is you don't have to keep trying. You don't have to do. It's already been done in Christ. You simply have to receive what he's done for you. So by faith, you trust that Jesus really did live a life that was That was perfect. He lived that for you and he died on a cross to pay a price for your sin and he did that and he rose again on the third day to defeat the power of sin and death in our lives and he did that. We believe that's true. That's the seed. Whether or not I believe it, it's true. So whether or not you accept it, it's still truth. The second one is the sower. Who takes that and preaches the gospel? The sower here is Jesus. He is sharing that. He's throwing out the seed. Will you believe this? And the responses Jesus got throughout his ministry, if you just read the Gospels, are these types of four soils. There's some who said, crucify him. We hate this message. We hate him. Those were the hardened. Those were the path. Those were others who said, Jesus, heal me. Feed me. Make all my wildest dreams come true. But when he asked them to follow him, they said, no way. John 6 says this, that from that point on, many people turned and walked away. And then there were those like the rich young ruler who had the deceitfulness of riches that thought he was defined by what he had and how much he owned. 
And Jesus said, if you're not willing to turn from that and follow me, you're not worthy of my, of my kingdom. And so the, the picture is, is these four responses are shown throughout the life of, of Jesus. And these disciples were those who trusted him and took him at his word and followed him and changed the world, turned it upside down after his resurrection. They were the group of the harvest. Do you know that when you share the gospel with someone, you're going to get those four responses? And you just might get them in those percentages too. There might be 25% of people who said, no way, forget it. And there's other people who go, yeah, what's in it for me? And there's other people who go, I'd like to, but you know what? I'd have to give up my life and my way and my, my pleasure and whatever I want to do. And then there are others who go, yep, I get it. It's not up to me. It's what Christ has done for me, and I'm willing to trust that. Those four types of soil, it, this, the, it's all about the soil, the reception of the truth of God. And so I would just say, church, take heart. When you share the gospel, you're not guaranteed you're going to save anyone. And you, by the way, you, just, you don't save people. You don't. God saves them. So be faithful with preaching. Be faithful with sharing the greatest news ever received, the greatest news ever offered from God to us. But let's take a look at the words here. And let's really kind of dissect what Jesus is trying to teach us. And I call it picking rocks. And I don't know if you've ever grown up on a farm, but my dad had a farm. It's not where we lived. It was kind of a hobby farm for him in central Wisconsin. And we'd go up there and he'd plow a field and everything. But in the spring, it was the most dreaded time of the year because all the frost would move the rocks to the surface. How many of you have ever picked rocks on a field? God bless you all. I hated it. I would hate it. I would pick up rocks. And by the way, I don't like picking up heavy things. I just just turn into a monster when that happens. Some of you are really good workers like that. I'm a wimp when it comes to that. So I'll fill up this this flatbed truck as they're driving in the middle of a field. And and then my dad will go, and you missed that one, and you missed that one, and you missed that one. And I I just freak at that. I hated picking rocks. But one thing you know if you're a farmer and you're trying to plow the field or you're planning especially to disc the field, you can't do that if rocks are there. They cause all kind of damage to your implements. So something happened in this rocky soil and the seed fell in it and immediately it sprang up. But about as immediate as it sprang up, when the sun rose, it was scorched and withered away. And Jesus was interpreting this. He said, these are those who hear the word and immediately they receive it with joy. But then something happens. And just about as quick as they received it, they walk away. They fall away. What happened? Well, we can look at the text and we can kind of just put it in. We got to fill it in. Here's what happened. The sun rose. That's what scorched it. And then when you follow Jesus or you turn to Jesus, here's what happened. We can blame tribulation and persecution. When they arise... Then faith falls away. Can we blame? Can we blame the problem for a lack of growth on the sun? That would be ridiculous. If you're in Death Valley and nothing is growing, you can blame the sun. But if you're in a Kansas wheat field, you love the sun. You love the sun to, to help grow you, what you plant in there. And can you blame a lack of growth and maturity? on the fact that there is tribulation or persecution with your faith. Is it legit to say, God, I followed you and everything was going great and then the bottom fell out and I just, you don't love me anymore, you don't care, so I'm out. 
or everything was great, and then it didn't miss my expectation. Life, I lost my job, the relationship didn't work out, and my worst nightmare happened in my life. God, you, when that happened, I, my faith just fell away. Can we really blame that? And I would beg to differ. I don't think you should. And I want to challenge you a little on that if you do. Because, because if you look at the New Testament church, first century believers, the gospel grew exponentially in times of tribulation and suffering. It actually was the, the fire beneath the church that, that exploded the gospel and moved it to regions that no one ever thought it could go. And I would even ask you to ask people who are persecuted and under tribulation today. Our fellow brothers and sisters who 12 hours ago were worshiping God in home churches in China where it's outlawed, where churches are being closed down. Places like India, huge resistance to it. Places in, in the 1040 window where the gospel is just a strong resistance to the person of Jesus, where your life is threatened when you're baptized in the name of Jesus. And what you will find is a deep, deep church. A church that's willing to follow Jesus through thick or thin. The problem isn't that the sun rose or tribulation or persecution arises. The problem ultimately comes, and it's listed in the text, and it's mentioned multiple times. The problem is there's no depth of soil. There's no root in themselves. Whether it's a physical plant or a physical soul, a spiritual soul, they have no root. It's a shallow faith. Why is this? Why is this? Well, I think behind the shallow faith is a missed expectation. It's a missed expectation that says this, Jesus, I want my life to get better with you. I'll trust you if you make my life better. And that expectation of Jesus is our addiction to better. We like better. I like better cell phones. I love better cell phone coverage. I like just better. I like upgrades, not downgrades. I like increases, not decreases. <laughs> I guess there's some things I like decreases, like pounds on me. That's a good decreaser. But, but ultimately, I love better. I love life with that's better. And when we come to the gospel and we think about Jesus, if we're addicted to better and our better, not his, our good, not his, then we'll say, what's in it for me? How better will my life be with Jesus in it? And as long as my better life looks better and feels better, then I'm walking with him. The second that changes, we walk away. The issue with the scriptures here is there's going to be stuff that happens. Here in this parable, Jesus talks about the scorching sun. And what he's talking about is tribulation or persecution. And what all those things are, are external challenges that create an internal spiritual crisis. It can be like you losing your job. It can be like the person you thought you were going to be the rest of your life with just said, hey, I think like we, I'd just like to be a friend. <laughs> it doesn't mean I'd like to be a friend. It means I can't tell you I don't want this to work out. And it hurts and it's painful And you thought, boy, Jesus, if you love me, if you really cared for me, none of this stuff would be happening to me. But think about that. My life will be better with Jesus. I don't know that expecting from Jesus is what is legitimate faith. There were a lot of followers who wanted Jesus to do a lot of things for them, but they didn't want Jesus. 
And there are a lot of people who want the things of Jesus. I want peace. I want joy. I want contentment. I want love. But I don't want Jesus. That is shallow faith. That's no faith at all. Nothing can grow in it. And when life happens, when life happens, look out. Crisis happens in faith. So you can either live your life expecting things from God or enduring with God. That's what this parable is teaching us. And so let's look at that. When I expect things from God, the focus is going to be on my personal fulfillment. Is my life better? Are things getting better for me? And as long as we can compare and contrast, not with God's best, but with people around us and our life is better, we'll continue to follow. We want immediate results. I mean, we know that patience is a fruit of the Spirit, but it's highly overrated, right? We want God to work now. I want you to bring that person into my life right now. Don't want to wait for them. I want financial prosperity now. I want all my debts gone now. I want joy and peace in my life without any in the enduring. I want it right now. We need immediate results. And when that doesn't happen on our timing, we're not willing to follow. And Jesus, in this type of faith, is an add-on. He's not the one and only. He's... I. I've got this figured out. I got my career going out, got my relationships, and I'll go to this church. And that's, that's just the check in the box. And Jesus is not good with bling. He's not good with just being jewelry or an accessory you put on your life. It's not something that you just, you know, add on to your Instagram-worthy life. He's meant to be a one and only. And when difficulty comes with this kind of faith, it's just going to wither. It's going to be scorched. The other option is to endure with God. Enduring with God is really a picture of the Old Testament and the New Testament relationship with God. People who are willing to follow Jesus through anything, thick or thin, blessing or curse. And when you do this, you're focused on being content in whatever situation you're in. Paul wrote this. He says, look, I've learned in whatever situation I'm in to be content. And the key word there is I've learned because this isn't something we wake up having the capacity to do. We learn it. We learn to be content and at rest with whatever God has for us. Secondly, it's experienced. It's not immediate. Experience, that means we trust God when we don't know and he shows us what he's doing as we trust him. We trust God when it doesn't make sense to us, when it's not fair, when wrongs have been done, we continue to trust him and we have an experience with walking Him with him. And it's an all-in faith, right? It's not an add-on. We're all in. God, I'm all in. I don't know what this is going to mean for me. I don't know what this news, what, even what tomorrow might look like, but today I'm willing to follow you. You see, that's the faith. That's the fruitful faith. That's the faith that when the gospel is planted into the life that says, God, whatever you want, rather than you better do what I want, that whatever you want for me, that's where the greatest produce happens. That's where the greatest fruit is born. 30, 60, 100 fold. Now, we got to remember this. Folks, the sun rises. (laughs) The sun rises. Now, think with me. Each week we get together 
and we talk about the truth of God's word and what it might look like if we just took God at his word and believed in him. And I kind of share a vision of what your life could look like as you trust God through thick or thin difficulty and blessing. What could happen? And we talk about it, and it's comfortable. It's about 68 in here. Some of you think it's too cold. Some of you are fanning yourselves that it's too hot. But it's comfortable. We can hear this message. Folks, the sun rises. The world has another word for it, another phrase for it. We could say the sun happens, right? (laughs) Think about it. We can say that. It just happens. Life happens. And I think about everyone in this room. And let's not even think about the other three services we had here this weekend. But everyone, some of you are going to get, hey, I love having you here, but it's not working out. We don't have the money to pay you this week. And you'll lose your job this week. Some of you will get news of, hey, after doing that scan, we found that there's a problem. And it looks like it's metastasized. And you will get that news this week. Others of you will have loved ones who you weren't expecting to have huge crisis and calamity. That happens every week here. We're a small city. We're a small city. But I will tell you this. What do you do when the sun rises? You see, if faith is only when everything's working out the way I want them to, if faith is only to be exercised when there's sunshine and rainbows and a unicorn skips across the, 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 you know, the, the road I'm driving down, if, if, if faith can only be exercised when all the lights go my way down Wanamaker Road at 8.30 in the morning, I mean, if that's the only place my faith can be trusted, it is not faith worth giving your life for. It's not a Jesus who is your savior from death to life. The sun rises, folks. If this isn't good for our greatest and worst news, then it's not good for today. Our faith has to be deeper. And that's why we've got to rescue our faith from the American dream that says there's always going to be progress, there's always going to be better today than it was yesterday. That expectation is not reality And all I would say is read your Bible. Because the story we're brought into is the sun rises a lot in the Bible. And what faith truly is, is faith that's not circumstantial on whether or not things all work out or or your life is like a a Pedro on uh, Napoleon Dynamite's campaign for, for president, that all your wildest dreams will come true. It will be a reality. The sun rises. Paul says this in Romans 5. He says this. He says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now look at that. Think about it. All of us want endurance, right? Even running, all of us want endurance. I would love to do a marathon someday. <laughs> it's, it's getting late in life for me to do a marathon, but someday I'd like to do a marathon or, okay, a half marathon. Okay, 5K, young life, here I come. <laughs> endurance, how do we get endurance? Suffering, no pain, no gain, right? I loved it. I saw it in cross country. It had, pain is weakness leaving the body. I love that. <laughs> That's a way to look at it. But none of us get endurance. None of us stick with it without practice, without there being pain. And then endurance produces character. All of us want character. 
But if we don't have endurance, if we don't have experience with it, if we don't have who we really are when no one else is looking, when no one else under, knows us and sees us, but who we are when all those things are happening, then we aren't going to have character. And ultimately, that character will build a hope. All of that is a result of suffering. So we've got to be willing to handle some bad news in our lives. We need to be willing to suffer with people and hold on to the hand of God. Because I've traveled. I've traveled to India, and I've gone to those slums, and I was up to my shins in mud. And if the gospel can't go there, it's not good news. I've traveled to Ethiopia, and I've even seen the gospel peddled like uh, trust in Jesus and you'll have health, wealth, and prosperity, and said to poverty, and I've seen how people were attracted to it, but didn't hang with it because not a lot of things changed. Folks, if it can't work outside of the United States in area of poverty and injustice and inequality, how would it ever work here? It's not Americanized. This is for all people to the ends of the earth. So we have to be willing to have the sun rise. So what I want to construct is, as I close is just some thoughts with you of what really to expect from Jesus. Because if we're left to ourselves, we'll basically say, Jesus, give me, give me, give me, or do this, or serve me, rather than giving your life to him. First thing I want you to say is, number one, whether you're going through difficulty or blessing, God is absolutely passionately committed to his children growing. He wants all of us to grow passionately for that. And if you have a child, you know what I'm talking about. When that child was born, some of you mothers can tell me exactly how much that child weighed and how long that child was. Because you'd freak if the doctor said, this is a 15-pound baby, right? You'd freak. You'd probably know that before he told you. But you'd freak on that one. And sure enough, this week in the news, a 15-pound baby born. It's like, whoa, you got your work cut out for you, dude. And then if that child's 28 inches long, you'd go, what in the world? Give this kid a basketball. You would know those numbers. Those numbers make you nervous. And so does... The grade point average of 2.1, that ner- makes you nervous if you're a parent. Why? Because you're passionately committed to your child doing well. The loss, not making it to state. All those things that we freak out that our kids and perform. See, your heavenly father is not concerned about that type of growth. They're, it's not how he looks, okay? Our kids are kind of an extension of ourselves and how they do we want them either to have a better life than we did or they want, we want to be proud on their performance. And God's not, that's not how he operates. He's absolutely committed to you growing in all things because he loves you. He wants his best for you. He came to give you life. He came to rescue you. He came for you to have a future that's in his purpose for his glory. He's passionately committed. So whatever you're going through, remember, God's not distant he knows what's going on, and he's committed to his children growing. Secondly, your circumstances with Jesus may get worse. You okay with that? You better be. <laughs> I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Read the New Testament. Read the first followers of Jesus. Stephen, a man full of the Holy Spirit, 
bold in his preaching. He preaches one of this awesome message to the Pharisees and the elders of the Jewish religion in Jerusalem. And he just knocks it out of the park. This Jesus, who you rejected, is truly the Messiah. All the prophets acclaimed to him. He fulfilled all this prophecy. This one, this Jesus you killed, God raised from the dead. Turn and trust to Jesus. Repent. Turn. Trust to him. What did they do? It was like seeds on the path. They were so resistant to it, they killed Stephen. He's the first martyr. He's stoned outside of Jerusalem. It was a gruesome way to die. He dies. Why? Because he believed in Jesus and shared him. He became a sower of the word. We could look at that story and go, oh, let's pity the first followers of Jesus. But what happens? What is God doing? He scatters the church. He says, on that day he died, a, a, a fierce persecution erupted in the church. So all the believers in Jerusalem ran for their lives. Where did they go? They went to Judea and Samaria. Those were the outer lying regions area. But if you were Jewish, you never entered into those areas. They were half-breeds and you had racial issues with them. You'd never go there unless you were running from the very people who would never go there. And that's where they went. And when they were there, Acts chapter 8 says, they preached the word and people trusted in Christ. Now think about this. This is the plan of God. It, it, it used someone dying like Stephen. It cost them their homes and their possessions. They literally ran for their lives. And they took them to places they'd never go if they didn't have to suffer. But they were right in the center of God's will. Folks, your circumstances with Jesus make it worse. But rejoice because you're not alone. You're with him. Rejoice that it's not about your little dream. It's about ultimately the plan of God revealed throughout all the generations now fulfilled in Jesus Christ. You get to be a part of that. Your circumstances may get worse. Now, we can see this. We're few thousand years after this, these events, we can look in our Bible and we can see, oh, I can turn to chapter 8 and see what God was doing there. They couldn't. They couldn't. And it probably didn't make a lot of sense to them. But they were faithful. They hung on to the hand of the Lord. So something's going to happen to you this week and you're going to go, God, do you care? Do you love me? Are you really, do you really know what's going on in my life? And I will tell you, I think there'll be a time in heaven when God shows you the video of your life and he pulls the veil aside and he says, when you didn't understand that, this is what I was doing. When this didn't make sense to you, it was right in the center of my will. Look at all the people I used to reach from your suffering. The people around you are going, how can you believe in God when that happens to you? The people around you are going, I would hate God. I can't believe there's a God who would allow, a good God who would allow that to happen. You're a good person. How in the world could that happen? Read your Bible. Read your Bible. It happens right at the center of God's will. Now, I may not know how to interpret what's happening to you today. And and don't ask me, because I won't be able to figure that one out. But someday, I believe God will tell you. And you know when he tells you, you will go, oh, glory to you. Thank you for using me for that. For eternity, your circumstances may get worse. And then also, growth happens in trials. 
with the first century believers, the expansion of the gospel happened in, amidst some of the fiercest persecution and suffering that the world has ever known. Even today, even today, in those places of severe persecution, the gospel continues to grow. The Iron Curtain, when that was revealed, in my, when that was pushed back in my lifetime, guess what they found? A growing church in the former Soviet Union. In China, as more information comes out from China, what do we hear? A growing church beneath the veneer. We see it happening in some of the most resistant places. Because growth happens in trials. Can you imagine a coach that says, hey, team, before you go out and practice today, we're going to just, I got a new philosophy. It's called comfort. And the second you start to hurt or get winded, just stop. Just stop. I don't want you to be uncomfortable today. And if the other team runs past you, just go passive. Let them score. Just maybe our goalie will be okay. No, none of us would do that. But I would tell you this. That those of you who have gone through trial hanging on to the hand of the Lord, I could interview you right now. It would take weeks with this room, but I could interview you and you say, this is how God grew me. This is how my faith grew deeper. See, if all your faith is for sunshines and unicorns and rainbows, it's going to be a very shallow faith. It can't handle the sun rising. Folks, the sun rises. Go deep with God. Because ultimately, spiritual maturity is applied truth over time. You need time. You need time. One of the requirements for biblical leadership in the church is someone who's taken the time to have their faith tested and tried so that they're people of maturity. They're not just people who talk about Jesus. They're people who walk with Jesus and share Jesus. And I would just say, if you're a new believer and you're going through a difficult time and you go, man, I didn't sign up for this, I would just say, no, you need to have a deeper faith. You need to have a deeper faith that grows to the level of your pain because that's where you know how deep God is and how rich he is in his resources. Folks, you can trust. You can trust this God. You can grow deep with him so that the sun is something that helps you thrive, not something that threatens you. So here's what I want you to think. I want you to just take a moment of quietness. And we've got our culture as so few moments of quietness. I'm glad we can do this here. I just want you to still your heart and just bow your head right now and think about where you're at with your faith. Where are you? And I just want you to call out anything in your life right now that is questioning the goodness of God in the midst of suffering, pain, loss, rejection, the fear even of the unknown, any thought that goes, God, my, I expected more from you. you. You're ultimately here to serve me. Any, even your prayer life that is always saying, give me, give me, give me. Just repent from that so that you might be able to say, God, I give myself to you. Have your way in me. Just confess anything there that, that is shallow in your relationship with Christ. Heavenly Father, we confess to you, we confess to you a shallow faith that basically thinks that, that you're in it for us, that our lives will get better with you. And Lord, I pray that you would move our hearts to trust you for better or worse, richer or poorer, in sickness 
and in health. Teach us to love you and follow you. Father, we, we just turn from an attitude that you're here for us. And may you just reform our hearts to be here for you. Even change the way we pray. Move us away from give me to prayers of dependency that don't have to know what's going on before we give ourselves fully to you. And we're willing to follow you. So as each sun rises this week, may we have a faith that thrives and grows in the unknown, unexpected, but opportunities for us to grow in you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.